it's Amanda and Baron, and we are back. Our sponsor for this half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. If you're looking to buy a home or sell a home or not really sure where to start, go ahead and give her a call. Her number is 503-409-4389. And then please continue to keep her in your prayers. As you guys know, she was on here last week, and she is currently going through her own battle. Well, there was something we we ran out of time, and Scott had a thought, so I want to circle back to this yes, real please. quick. Uh, if I go back to what Danny wrote, and again, Danny is James's widow, and Danny Warren's the Juice Plus lady that we've had on for right. reference for the listeners. And for those that don't know, they were trying to juice. They were trying to do normal juicing. It's it's expensive. It's messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is, is that towards the end of James's life, he just wanted the comfort food he was used to. Yeah, I don't. Um, and he was he's blame him. Big black guy from Chicago. He wanted mashed potatoes and yeah, corn, give know, me all the good, all the good stuff. Which you know, in the bigger picture, is not good for his health, but it's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. After his passing, um, Danny has just poured herself into research. Mm-hmm. So if anyone would like to have a discussion with Danny, she understands how the phytonutrients in the food and all that come together. Right. But because everything just collapsed, I, I met up with Danny again. I had known Danny years ago, and everything was gone. Everything was gone. So she says there was no insurance, no bank account or nest egg to fall back on, No, but bills and debt still had to be paid. I think this is the important part that Scott can weigh in on. Instead of grieving my loss, I was forced to throw my energy into figure out how to survive and keep a roof over my head. My situation is not unique. Cancer affects the whole family. How many times have you seen that, Scott? See, this is where, and, and I apologize because when we were, I forget that we were on the radio, so it just went rolled in. So I was like, okay, <laughs> cut. <laughs> keep going. But, um, yeah, these are the things I see, and, and it's hard because there is this point where if we look at Medicaid, for example, and you qualify for Medicaid, it's typically where we're they're looking at what you have in assets. So when we go into care, like an assisted living, or we're needing in-home care to come in, it's where are the funds coming from. So Medicaid will pay for some of this, so it'll pay for accommodation, but you have to literally have nothing and if you have a house they start to if it, you can keep it but once it gets sold you know the they government get. they get part of it back but the problem is is when you have these people that have been working hard all their life saving they have money they have a house and then things like this happen and and with what you know danny's going through is is suddenly everything gets exhausted mm-hmm. and you have nothing at the end because it all just goes to the care and and we're left, as you said, we can't even grieve because we've got all this, this, this stress over us. So I talk to people a lot about what, what do we do? And sometimes if we can get a medical social worker involved, however that is, to help go through some resources. Um, I went to Northwest Senior Disability Services that is uh, an Oregon-based uh, organization. And when I was talking to them, they were talking about, you know, the, obviously the Medicaid programs that they work with and you get various counselors that help you with it. But there are a lot of programs that are still available for people that don't qualify for Medicaid. So the reason I wanted to bring all that up is because if you are going through something with a family member and you don't have caregiving, because the last thing we want to do is burn out, because if you burn out, you start to regret, you start to get upset, you get angry. You start to do all the grieving things that happen in before someone passes. Mm-hmm. 
why and it's just because you get aggravated and it's it's no one's fault but you can't help it because you're having to look after these people so bringing that into the picture just know that if you're going through something go to the uh, the northwest senior disabilities they have programs that you might be able to qualify for for caregiving and things like that and I would encourage the listeners that if you've heard something over the last half hour before or now and you just have a question, just email Amanda at... Amanda at kslm.news. And I don't mind at all um, helping you guys find resources, giving you the contact points and all of that. Um, I think that's important. So yeah. definitely utilize me as a resource. Yeah. Well, if I continue with our timeline up to this this clinic that I mentioned in the last half... Um, we had Rachel, which was a go team. Then at mm-hmm. the end of 2019, we had Nolan DeHart, who we've had the pleasure of having him in studio. Yes, too. that was cool. Not only that, but we've had him over Skype when he was in Costa Rica. Yeah. And then had him in studio. That was really awesome. Yeah. And, and again, Nolan is such a great success story of a mm-hmm. kid who battled through blood cancer twice yeah. as a child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now he's 30 years old. Uh, but, you know, to battle by the time that kid turned 15, he had spent two-thirds of his life battling chemotherapy, yeah. you know. And so I and just, it was intense. so thrilling to have him in there with us. Right? It was. It was. But then at the end of 2019, I had been invited up to the Breast Friends organization mm-hmm. in Tigard. It was just a chance to try to begin networking with other nonprofits. <clears throat> and I was, I had been invited up by their program manager, whose name is Yvonne Nidegger. And she said, come on up. I met Allison, who was on our show, too. Yep. And so they invited me to their open house. And I was going to just go and leave, but traffic was horrible getting back. So I stayed longer than I expected. Right. Which maybe God helped make that happen. I'm not sure. But as, it, as the night progressed, um, they introduced the, la- the lady who started Breast Friends. So she was kind of on the side because she had turned the reins over to Allison. But Becky Olson was there. Okay. And in front of many of her supporters, she announced that her cancer was back for the fifth Mm. time. Gosh, five times? Five times. Wow. And I did that stair climb. Yep. For Becky Olson. Yes, you did. But I wanted to read you one more tribute to Becky. Yeah. But this is written from Allison. Okay. So Allison is the current executive director for Breast Friends. She says, Allison, I'm sorry, Becky Olson a devoted wife, mother of five, grandmother passed on April the 24th, 2021, at the age of 68. Becky was a five-time breast cancer survivor who never lost hope and fought her cancer battle with grace. 2000, Becky and her good friend Sharon Hennepin, who has been on our show, from, <laughs> called in from Tucson, Arizona, um, co-founded Breast Friends. Breast Friends is an organization that provides emotional support to women who are navigating a cancer diagnosis. Through their own experience with a cancer diagnosis, they set out to create a community of support that would fill the emotional needs of women from the initial diagnosis through treatment and life after treatment. Becky was never afraid of a large group of people. She loved the stage and was a sought-after speaker for women's conferences, luncheons, and medical conferences for healthcare professionals. She, her use of humor and storytelling kept the audiences engaged and laughing. Her presentations helped the audience discover their passion and reason for living. Not only did she travel across the country to speak, she also was the host of the Breast Friends Cancer Support radio station. This was a weekly broadcast on a Voice America Health and Wellness channel, 
which I actually had the pleasure of being a guest on her radio show at one point. <clears throat> she would have guests from all over the country, including internationally. Through the radio show, there were listeners in 50 states and 113 countries. Wow. We've got a ways to go to catch up with her. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> she loved learning about the speakers and sharing with the audience relevant information that helps those diagnosed with cancer and their loved ones navigate the new and challenging path they were facing. When Becky received her fifth cancer diagnosis, it was stage four and it metastasized to her lungs, her liver, and her bones. She found that staying positive was difficult at times, but yeah. realized that when going through a difficult time, it was important to do the things that you love. Her life and legacy will always be remembered and hold a special place in the hearts for those that knew her. And Marianne McNally, who sponsors us after the show, is the Salem representative, representative for yeah. Breast Friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of how 20... <clears throat> 2019 and 2020 played out getting cancer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, really quick, I that kind of reminded me um, about how cancer is the disease of love and how she felt defeated, but she got to do those things that she still loved to do. And I actually had a conversation with um, my husband, Bo, just, just yesterday, actually. Um, and he said that I would rather get hit by a car and go suddenly then get diagnosed with cancer and 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 know what's coming and deal with that every day. And I said, let me give you an example. Fair enough. <laughs> but they call it the disease of love. And this is why, because you get those last words that you never got to say. You get to go to that beach trip, to that beach you never got to go to. You get to do those late night bonfires with your children and grandchildren that you haven't done in the last two years because life got ahead of you. Um, you get to do those things. I still struggle with what I would rather do because I feel like I would be, I, me personally, it would weigh very hard, and I think I would be a very depressed, sad person. Um, but you get those moments that you yeah. wouldn't get if you went suddenly. It's, so it's a. And, and I think when, you know, it's hard because unless you've lived it and you know it, right. what you, it's hard to understand what you go through. But, you know, the, the, the patients I've worked with, you know, they, they get to a point there's exceptions, you know. So the depression you're thinking will most probably happen because you've got to get through that. Mm -hmm. But you're going to accept it to a point where you can do these things that you talked about. Yeah. You can have closure. You can finalize things mm -hmm. knowing what your timeline looks like. Yeah. It's very sad. I mean, we talk about, the, I mean, you're on the show and when I was here last, you know, we're talking about very... Uh, sad situations, but when we're in the reality of it is, yeah, that the, the disease of love, being able to have closure sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there will be depression. Yeah, I feel like I'd be in. really angry mm -hmm. at myself, at God, uh, the unknown, the frustration, the why me. Mm -hmm. I think I would have because I've thought about it in depth on how I would go about well, it, and, and you don't half. really know unless you go through it. Yeah. And sometimes, I like, there was a patient I spoke to, and it was very sad. She was about 40 um, with cancer. Um, and the problem was the husband was going through more than she was. She had already accepted everything. So when I was working 
with her and him, we were talking about hospice and where she was in her treatment. Mm -hmm. She was ready. She said, "Ah, I'm ready for hospice. He wasn't. Okay, yeah. And so he was, I'm not, in the conversation, I'm not done fighting for you. I'm not. And she was. Yeah. So a lot of times it's not the patients or the person (laughs) going through it. It's the family. And we just talked about this, the, the family. I mean, it's it's not just it goes out from there yeah. so it's a ripple effect yeah, yeah. All the so way when we are the patient sometimes we're all accepting it and the family aren't and those are the battles sometimes yeah well we're gonna like make both you guys segue queens <laughs> <laughs> there there there's something i usually do at the start of the show and i've delayed doing it until now okay because we always do an update at the start mm-hmm. um take over for a second <laughs> Um, I think we've got an update. Um, I'm not sure it's a good one. It's not a good one. But it is an update on Ozzy. Um, He's the boy that we've been following for, gosh, over a year now, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so we just Baron got a phone call from Shyla, his mom, um, just the other day. Yeah. You got it? I got it. Okay. Well, because you mentioned that the patient, the patient, right? The trouble is this patient's four. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the patient can't make the decisions, Mm -hmm. and the parents are holding on. Um, But this is also the disease of love because statistically, Ozzy was diagnosed in March of last year. By June, which is three months in, we got involved. Mm -hmm. This cancer is a three- to eight-month survival rate. So at the three-month mark, we got involved. We were able to help get some money pulled together. He goes up to Seattle for this clinical trial. Things are looking good. At the eight-month mark, the, they're trying to prepare the parents for the fact that he's not going to make it until Christmas. But he did. And mm-hmm. he was in the honoring evening, and things looked really great. Yeah. But then the trial wasn't working. And so they took him off from the trial, and that would have been about April of this year. Mm-hmm. And that's when they put the family on hospice. And that's when I wanted Scott to weigh yeah. in on this conversation. But from right. April until now, they have built lots of memories. <laughs> A lot of memories. Yeah. Ozzy has days to live. Yeah. that th- These are, we're going back into the, you know, the sad stories, but we need to talk about them, you know, mm-hmm. of what these families go through. Uh, before the show, we were talking about um, pediatric care because we're, when we, I was on the show last, we really didn't touch on, on that too much because right. we went more on the regular hospice and what you can, what you can't do. Uh, and we sort of um, touched on Ozzy and the hospice, but it was a lot about his trials and care and what hospice was. Pediatric care is a little different. You can do uh, treatment on pediatric. And the reason being, as you just said, we aren't, no, it was you just said it, we aren't, of age. So when we hit 18, we apparently can make our own decisions. Mm-hmm. When we're younger, we can't. So when you have a parent working with a disease, they're going to fight to the very end. They are not going to take a no for an answer. We have no treatment. It's like, whatever we can do, I'm not going to stop this fight. I'm not going to stop the fight because they are the ones making the decisions. Well, in a sense, you say that, Scott, because I met Shyla for the first time <clears throat> in May of last year. And we already had this fundraiser started. Um, I met Shyla, and I already knew at that point, statistically, there's a 1% survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the mother, mom said, I cannot, I, I have to hold on to the 1%. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I have to. So emotionally, for over a year now, she's been holding on to that 1%. And that's why what they've looked at hospice and pediatric and, and, and realized because of that, we're going to hold on it. They're four years old. We're, we're, they've got a life ahead of them if we can do it. And we've got 1% charge. And we talked about that. If, it's, if you're at that 1%, that's a big chance. You yeah. Know? So you're going to fight for it. And the problem is when we've got the parents involved in making that decision, they're only going to make the decision for hospice most probably in the last couple of days that they have and put them yeah. on hospice. So what ends up happening, this amazing care that hospice brings, especially to pediatric, because it's different. We're focused on the kid, focused on trying to make their life a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So if we leave it to the last minute, we aren't going to get this care. So that's where they decided, okay, we can do treatment allowing some uh, hospice because then we know they're going to get that care rather than the end. Well, right. I, want, I want Scott to try to put in perspective what's happened. I get a phone call from Shiloh about 10 days ago. Today is September the 2nd. About 10 days ago, Shiloh calls me and we cried together on the phone, but She's like, hospice has been called back in, and they've given Ozzy about two weeks. That was 10 days ago. Okay, yeah. I do want to announce right now, and then I want Scott to weigh in on this, but with that said, I went back to Diana from Honky Tonks, who's been a guest. Yes. <laughs> and I said, we need a venue, and she has graciously donated the Honky Tonks. Hmm. So at 3 o'clock today... There's, this isn't a fundraiser. There's no cost to come to this. This is a celebration of his life. And we are praying that Ozzy will be there. Yes. If he is not there, then we will still celebrate his life. Yeah. But she's got a, Shiloh has a beautiful slideshow presented. And you can come and just love on the family. But, Scott, what, what has happened on the hospice site over the last 10 days since she made that phone call to me? So they will be more than likely just prepping uh, the family. I mean, just knowing, I mean, this is where with hospice, when we do a plan, it's a carer plan, they start to go, right, we're going to have a nurse there twice a week, a CNA, right. doing these things. But as we get closer, we really know, and it goes from into transition into active. Uh, we don't know, we sort of, they, and they can go transitioning and then off that, and they can go and active and off that. So there's this a little bit of a gray area we don't know, but typically the signs are there. So the hospice start to most probably visit more often and start to be there for the family, helping them, support them. Right. Uh, most probably being bringing some more spiritual advising. And, and we talked about this last time. Spiritual advising isn't necessarily just religious-based. It's right. about the person. So if we're not religious, you know, they're there to, to help us. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we going through? So there's going to be more support as with the patients and the families. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot that is going to be very supportive at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult with families when we're trying to work with them because there's a lot of emotion. I can only imagine um, my son when he was a few months old. Um, he had a surgery and he was went into a coma after mm. surgery and wasn't waking up. And they told us that, you know, it's time to consider pulling the plug. Um, he's being completely reliant 95% on machines and there's no sign of any future at this point. And I'm 18 years old, turned 18 when I was there because he went to Philadelphia 
for their hospital from Oregon. And um, we fought. We were like, absolutely not. No, don't you dare touch that plug. We're going to wait it out. Mm -hmm. And we did. And he woke up. And he's 17 years old and absolutely amazing. Um, But yeah, it's difficult as a parent because we are supposed to protect our children. We are supposed to guide them, teach them, raise them, support them, be their voice. Um, And so, yeah, I can only imagine us parents are probably a lot more difficult to work with. And in a lot of direction, I think, because I think... um, this is a little light-hearted, but it's in a way the same appropriateness of this conversation is when I had my daughter, um, my wife at that time was saying, you know, we, we, we were, we, the guys are hovering, right? preparing to what's going to happen. And my wife, said, my wife goes, you know, the baby's not happening now. Just keep busy, keep busy. So I was, I was vacuuming, cleaning the house, doing everything. And then the baby was coming. And I was like, oh, no, it's, it's all right. We've got plenty of time. And, and then eventually I got screamed at, get in here. We're having the baby. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because sometimes there is direction is when we're, especially with little ones and we're working with families, you know, the direction of keeping busy, got to do other things, um, trying to keep focus, maybe trying to take your emotion away from it. So direction is very important. It's like, okay, just be here. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else can wait. Some people are doing that anyway, but sometimes people keep busy and it's like, because they don't want to know it's going to happen. Yeah. And when it is happening. Yeah, it's we need to direct yeah. and help people be there because otherwise, because we want to avoid those regrets later. Absolutely. I, you know, I have got to just give a huge shout out to the, the people with you and hospice. And mm-hmm. what, what a hard job to walk yeah. into a house like Ozzy's family and, and give that direction because you've met Shyla. She's a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and John is a very methodical person. But together, whether you're methodical or whether you're emotional, your kid's dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard it's to make difficult. decisions. So you need someone. And that's what a great job you guys do to, to help this family through this horrible time. There is um, a book that I just bought. I'm not going to even try to read to it because I just really bought it. But I think it is the epitome of what's going on in that family right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Being Mortal. Yeah. And there's some great stories in here. I'm excited to read through it. But what it does talk about here is modern medicine has transformed the dangers of birth, injury, and infectious diseases from harrowing to manageable. But when it comes to the inescapable realities of aging and death, what medicine can do often runs counter to what it should do. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes we have to admit that we're mortal. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not and superhuman. I would submit, we have this phrase, do not let them die in vain. Ozzy's fight has inspired people all over the world. All over. That little boy. And he truly got to live his best little life. And I'm so happy to watch all of the memories that his parents created with him. It was pretty special. They did a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. We've got about two minutes left, Scott. From a hospice point of view, what would you say to other families that are going through what they're going through? Just don't leave it too late in hospice. Um, obviously, we talked about pediatric. We can get on hospice pretty quickly if we've got that diagnosis. But hospice is about living and do not just feel like you don't want to hear it and don't go on it because you're going to get amazing care. It's there for when you need it. You can come off it. 
So, you know, we've got plenty of stories about that, but mm -hmm. just pay attention. And once you know that you are going, you are at that point, you've got to be on the same page, but really think about it seriously because it's a really amazing care. Before, before we wrap up, Amanda, will you tell us that quote the Queen said? This, this, this quote struck me so hard when you said this yeah. last time. Um, so Queen Elizabeth always was famous for her little quotes, and mm -hmm. one of them was, grief, grief is the price you pay for love. Um, and it's just so, when you think about that, such a short sentence, it's so true, because when you hear someone that's passed and you didn't really know them, you say, oh, that's sad. But when you know them and you've had some interaction with them, however little that is, that love starts. Yeah. And your grief, you'll find a bit of grief. And when you love someone like, like Ozzy, that hits you even harder, mm -hmm. and that shows how much you loved him. Okay, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, really quick, you want to shout out that uh, the Honky Tonk event today? So again, it's today, 3 o'clock. Um, you don't have to RSVP, just show up. You can buy food, don't buy food. Um, Shadow's creating a nice little slideshow of Ozzy's life. Um, and God willing, he's with us, but wherever he's at, he'll be in a better place. Okay, do you know, when does it end? 5.30. So, 3 so to 5.30. 3 to 5.30. They have an event planned at 6 or that we can get all cleaned up and have okay, their event. Okay, perfect. All right, you guys, um, our sponsor for this second half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. If you're looking to buy a home or sell a home, Give her a phone call at 503-409-4389 and continue to keep her in your prayers as she is going through her own battle. And we will be back next week as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.